welcome to the One Degree Shift podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Enrique Rubio, founder of Hacking HR. Thank you so much for joining the One Degree Shift podcast today. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I've been following your journey for well, nearly two years now. What does yeah. it feel like to be on the Hacking HR rocket ship? <laughs> it's amazing, you know, because very often you create something just because you want to have fun. Um, maybe you also want to add value, but probably more because you want to have fun. And, you know, sometimes you don't know where that thing is going to go. And if you had asked me a couple of years ago, if I had envisioned where uh, that we were going to be in the place where we are today, I would have said no. You know, I, I just wanted to have fun, add value, create a community in Washington, D.C., my hometown. And that's pretty much what I wanted to do. And now, you know, we're grown a lot. You know, we are all over the world. You know, a couple of uh, a few days ago, we had an event with 4,000 people. Wow. So, you know, I, I did not envision these things. And it's great. Because it's all about when people find value in what you're doing, they will, they will help you and they will help you grow and they will be sort of like fans of your work, right? And yeah, um, so that's exciting. So it's, it's, exciting. it's an exciting time to be doing, uh, to be creating community and especially this community, Hacking HR. So I'm excited no about it. Yeah. <laughs> so for those who don't know, what, what is Hacking HR and, and how did it come to be? Hacking HR is the global community that brings together HR practitioners, business leaders, technologists, vendors, consultants. And what we do is two things. Number one is bring people together as a community. And this community has two levels. One is the global community. And we sort of operationalize that via our Slack community and the event, the online events that we do. And the second thing is that we are creating communities, local communities in many cities around the world so that people have the opportunity to get together, to collaborate, to learn from each other, to support each other, to work together in projects and whatnot. So that is the one thing, one thing that we're doing, building community at a global level, but also at a, at a local level. And the second thing that we're doing is educating that community about the things that are critical to know and understand to help us remain relevant and thriving in the future of work. And that is everything that is at the intersection of future of work, technology, people, organizations, and transformation. And that's what Hacking HR is today. And it just came to exist because, well, you know, as I said before, I am passionate about community and I wanted to create a community in Washington, D.C., you know, where, where I live today. And I wanted to bring people together and I wanted them to be informed about these important things that are happening in this new world right. of work. So right. that's how it came to life. So it, let's dive into this. You, you're a busy guy. You've got an incredible background. Why hacking HR now? What in the environment around us made the opportunity for a community like this to be formed at a time like this? I would say change, but there's one thing about change right now that is very different from the kind of change that we experienced maybe 20 years ago or 150 years ago. And that is the pace of change. Today is way faster than anything we've ever experienced as humans. You know, we've always been evolving, you know, physically, culturally, emotionally. But right now, the pace of change is just so dramatically faster than it was before that I think right. we need way more of each other to cope with the very complex challenges that you know come up when you're going through so such a fast rate uh, transformations so we need more of each other but we also 
need to be more aware of what, what's happening. You know, if you think about, let me just give you one example of that, you know, organizational design, you know, organizational design, you know, 80 years ago or 50 years ago, and it's still today in many companies is this kind of siloed functional style where you have you know you have silos where everybody working in that silo goes up to the boss and the boss talks to the other boss and the other boss goes down to the team and the team goes back up to the boss so you have these very complicated structures that were created for a different time and today those structures do not fit anymore because the flow of information today is so so crazy fast that you can't really wait for your boss to tell you to do something or not before you can do that one thing. Because if you don't do right, it on right. time, you're out of business, so to speak. So yeah. I think that Hacking It Hard today is a response to, to the need for us to get together, to cope together with all these dramatic challenges, but also because it's the time for us, at least in HR, to uh, come up to speed with all the things that are happening in this new reality of work. As I said before, this fast based new reality of work. So when I think of one degree shift, one degree shift is almost a synonym for change or innovation. A shift yeah. creates space. A shift enables a new perspective. How is it based on what you've learned over the last couple of years that we create that time and space so that we can analyze the world around us from a different perspective? Because I mean, say we're in our position, we're at the front lines and things are working. And all of a sudden, some kid out of NYU has developed an app that takes our company all the way out. I mean, it could happen. Yes. And yeah, what do we do? How do we create time and space so that we can change? Because, you know, I'll just say, I've done a lot of research on the future of work, and I've realized that there's two things that people hate. The first is change, and, and yeah. the second is, is the way things are. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, oh it's, God, kind yeah. Of a, it's kind of a lose-lose, right? So given yes. everything that you've learned with Hacking HR, what are some tips that you might have so that we can be more open to change, so that we can be more agile and innovative, both on a professional but also on a personal level? Yeah, well, that is a very packed question in there. And I, I want to say a few things about that, right? The first thing that I want to say is right now, right now at this very moment, there is... I'm going to say at least 10,000 people trying to get your job. Mm -hmm. There are mm -hmm. at least 10,000 people trying to take over the piece of market that you have with your company. So if you're not right. doing what you got to do, somebody is going to do it for you. Because right now, it, you know, like if you think about this 100 years ago, big companies, not even 100 years ago, I'm going to say 60 years ago, with this, you know, Fortune 500 companies were around, these companies had a monopoly on information technology and whatnot because people didn't have access to any of these things, right? Today, like you said before, not only the guy sitting in NYU, but the guy sitting in a slum in like a, a small village in Lagos, Nigeria, which is going to be the most populated city in 100 years from now. That one guy, because he has access, he or she has access to technology and information, he can create something that takes over your company and takes it totally out. So okay. you got to do what you got to do. Right, there's a sense of urgency into changing, so what, into transformation. But, but, but let me let me tell you the other part of the story. The other part of the story is that change, when it's so long-term, kind of envisioned, is very complicated to to digest, so to speak. So very one true. degree shifts for me is not only changing, but it's changing in a way that you can touch the end goal of that change. So right. what I'm asking your people to do is do not think about change in the next 
12 years from now or in the next 10 years from now, not even in the next five or one year from now. Think about change in the next month. Think about change in the next six months. Where do you see yourself individually and your company in the next month, in the next six months from now? Because that end goal where you want to be in the next six months from now is tangible. And whatever you do today, the change that you sort of embrace in your life today will make sense in six months from now. And in six months from now, you will be able to say, to measure whether you were successful or not in that one change. But it's not going to be something like you are thinking the next 10 years and then 10 years later, you're like, oh, I didn't do what I needed to do. Well, now it's too late because it's been 10 years. You know what I mean? Because things change today too fast to think in long term. So that to me is, is the one perhaps most... Uh, uh, important tip that, I, that mm-hmm. I always share with people that I talk to. It is all about change, but it is all about the kind of change that you can touch, right? That you can feel, yes. that you can actually do. Don't set yourself for failure. Set right. yourself for success by setting up the kind of goals and change that you can touch. And, you know, it's one by one. You know, it's one thing for the next month. It's another thing for the next six months and whatnot. Okay. So first of all, I agree with you. And let's just say hypothetically, I am 53 years old. I've worked in a fairly traditional organization and I've been here for 10 years. Now you tell me that 10,000 people are coming for my job and my heart rate just spikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it does. W- what do I do if change hasn't been built into my practice, into my routine? It's not something that I'm used to. Do, do I still have to change if, if things are going well? What would you recommend to, to, to those folks? Oh, that is a fantastic question. And, you know, I'm a runner and I do very oh, long sure. distance running. And yeah, um, you, you probably know that always the, when you're getting into training for a race, the, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the most difficult mile is the very first mile of your training because that's sure. the one that yeah. breaks the inertia, right? That has yeah, the hardest you- part is putting my shoes on, I found. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you go through, first of all, you have to make the decision to go through that first mile and that Mm -hmm. takes time, that takes energy and that takes a lot of willpower. So, you you know, you got to say, I have to learn, I got to make things happen, I have to change and there's going to be a lot of like strings attaching you to the status quo, to the comfort zone and you're going to have to break all of that because they will keep Mm -hmm. you, they will try to keep you kind of in the, in, the, in the area, in the comfort zone where you've been for, for a while. So breaking that right. inertia will take time. Then once mm-hmm. you get through that first mile, then like you said before, your heart is going to start pounding and then you're going to feel tired because your, your change muscles, like your, your physical muscles when you're physically training for a race, they are not developed. You know, you need to train them. Right. So that's why if you think about what, you know, smaller increments, then you will be able to touch the things that are changing and then you will be able to say, oh, this is making sense now. So now Mm -hmm. not only can I think about the next month, but I'm going to start thinking about the next six months. So when you do a Mm -hmm. diet, that's what happens with people who do diets. You know, they they set the goal of like, oh, I I want to lose 100 pounds. All right, but you can do that. That's a great goal. But what do you think about, you know, what you want to do next week? Because in one week, Mm -hmm. you can literally lose, you know, five pounds in one week. So why don't you measure yourself in the next week to see what's happened based on the things you've done, right? So for that one person sitting in that one company that for, you know, who for 10 years, you know, hasn't trained that muscle, I think there's opportunity for them to, you know, to train that muscle. 
I couldn't agree more. Now let's take it back to hacking HR and all of the HR professionals that that you've been speaking to, learning from, working with over the past couple of years. What role does HR play in this change uh, when it comes to organizational success and when it comes to shifting priorities, perhaps from a five or a ten year strategy to something that's perhaps maybe bi-monthly or, yeah. or far more frequent. And is it HR's responsibility to bring the team with them? Is HR the gatekeeper to this sort of level of change? What are you hearing and what are you learning when it comes to HR? One thing that happens with HR is that it, it was never really a, an innovative function. And that's the way, that's because of the way the function was built and because of what was expected from the function, right? If you think about it, you know, 15 or 20 years ago, nobody talked about HR the way they do today. I mean, people were mm-hmm. like, you know, HR is just, HR is just a cost center. You know, we got to pay them to do, you know, to pay people, to fire people, to hire people, blah, blah, blah. So that was pretty much it. Now HR has taken more of a center stage in the development of people, of organizations, and keeping them thriving and successful in this new reality of work. So I think HR has an incredible opportunity to become, in my opinion, and I I truly believe in this, we have the opportunity to become the trailblazer of our people and our organizations to help them transition from this reality of work that we have today into the new reality of work that we are starting to see in many Mm -hmm. cities, companies, organizations, and whatnot. For that to happen, HR needs to really change their mindset that HR is not anymore about just processes. HR is not anymore about compensation, about policy. HR is way more than that. HR is about helping people develop their full potential. HR is about Mm -hmm. helping people innovate. HR is about bringing people up to speed with what's happening in this new reality of work. HR is about Mm -hmm. telling people, you know, we want you to be like children, meaning we want you to be curious because the more curious you are, the more questions you're going to be asking and the more more opportunities that those questions Mm -hmm. will be creating for yourself, but also for the place that you are working, you know, your workplace. So I think HR has a fantastic opportunity to really become the one function that can bring everybody together and help them transition into this new reality of work. But we are not there yet. We're very far from being there. And for that to happen, we got to change a lot. And that's why, right. you know, when we, were, when we were offline, I said we have a lot of things to do. The tasks are daunting, but it's exciting to have the opportunity to add a little bit of value for this vision of HR becoming the trailblazer of people and organizations of the future of work to bring that vision to reality. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about before before I let you go is just to build off of what you said. Now, let's run a hypothetical situation again. Hypothetically, I'm an HR manager. It doesn't matter how old I am, matter what what sex I am, but I get what you're saying, and I'm totally on board. I want to be that pioneer. I want to be that trailblazer. I want to be able to enable people to be their best and make sure that my role spans way broader than the scope that my title or my job description suggests but I don't have buy-in. I don't have support from your folks within the organization. How do I get it? And how do I start to prove everything that you're talking about? That is a great question. I, and, I, and I always say, start small. One degree shifts, right? Absolutely. You know, you start, you know, your first degree shift is to think, what is the one thing that I can do that mm-hmm. with the resources that I have, that I can measure the success of that one thing that I'm doing? And that when I present it to my C-suite level, to my CEO or whatnot, 
they say, wow, you know, that small, that small thing that you did had this gigantic impact, or maybe this is a small impact, whatever it is, with this small amount, amount of resources, now we're gonna give you a little bit more to do a little bit extra, right? So mm-hmm. start small, because I find that very often people set themselves for failure when they try to do too much too soon. Mm-hmm. And this, mm-hmm. as you know, this happens to runners when they try to start training for their seasons right. and they go out yeah, and they try to do all these miles and they get injured like, you know, the, the day after, right? So start small right, right. and then incrementally start adding more things, but, you know, start small and show the results of the work that you're doing. And then you will, you, you will get the leverage by showing those results and then you will get the support because the results will speak for themselves and it's not just right. the you're you're not just making a promise you're just saying i did this and these are the results of the work that i did can you give me more resources can you help me more can i have mm-hmm. more support uh right mm-hmm. so that's that's how i see it yeah this has been incredible and the work that you've done and continue to do is is incredible as well is is there anything you'd like Thank to you. leave our with today just just do it you know just do something I always say it doesn't matter where it is, you know, whether it is joining one community, hearing a podcast, starting a podcast, doing a video, whatever it is, just do something. Because if mm-hmm. you don't do anything, somebody will come and do it for you and then you will be left aside. And right. that would be pretty painful, you know? So just do something. Enrique, uh, we've got all your links and your, and your contact information below. Thank you so much for being a part of the One Degree Shift podcast today. Thank you. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit erictermundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.